Oh, was that ever super, super, super Janet Lee? My, I love, I love those Psalms type of songs. And oh, I don't know why we haven't been playing a whole bunch of them even sooner. And what a dynamic job. Thank you so much. And ladies and gentlemen, here we are again. And it's an exciting time. We're on this controversial subject about Mary Magdalene. And we're calling this the third, the third edition or the, the third part of the diary of Mary Magdalene. And believe me, I don't know if I can emphasize enough to you the importance of understanding this teaching that I am giving because it has been a trick and an evil, diabolical, sinister thing that Satan has woven in to the minds of men to get this idea that women cannot have anything to do in the church. And, uh, you know, that is not the intent of God. And that is not God's highest will by any means. And uh, and I don't care what scriptures you want to quote me or who you want to say said something different. Uh, it won't take me very long to show what the Bible really says. But today, we're going to also have to cover a few other uh, subjects that sort of uh, embrace this whole thing of resurrection and who went up, who didn't go up. Uh, because, you know, that's one of the big things that happened with Mary Magdalene. Uh, she had that experience of, uh, of uh, you know, uh, being the first one at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. First one to see him, uh, you know, uh, not in the tomb. Now, recently, uh, <clears throat> but actually it goes back to discoveries made in, in uh, 1980 and 81, but recently, um, on Discovery Channel, this lost tomb of Jesus, um, you know, claiming to go back to 2000, uh, to the year 2000, and uh, they've had it as a documentary film, and they uh, discovered uh, ten ossuaries uh, belonging, they claim, to the family of Jesus. And this involved uh, Senator James uh, Cameron, uh, Cameron, and uh, it is um, uh, very interesting, the, the film that they did. Um, but uh, we'll have to say this, that the, uh, the epigraphs uh, are uh, definitely disputed as to the meanings of them. And the name of Jesus has been found over 70 times in buried caves during the same time frame of, of, uh, of burial archaeology. And um, Jesus, the name Jesus, is the sixth most popular name, uh, you know, for men used during that uh, time. Uh, the vast majority of scholars who specialize in archaeology for, for regarding this uh, period of time uh, reject the lost uh, tombs of Jesus uh, as being uh, what has been found and aired on uh, the Discovery Channel. Uh, 
Now, um, uh, I'm not going to uh, say that I don't think that, that that, you know, may have been the tomb. We're not talking about the ossuary here, uh, the little box that uh, is sort of a shortened coffin that uh, uh, after the body has dried out and disintegrated, uh, then they take the bones and they just sort of pile them into this uh, rectangular box, um, which has a lid on it and so forth. And then sometimes they'll put inscriptions on the outside of that box. Sometimes uh, there doesn't seem to be inscriptions. And, uh, and of course, those are called uh, things like uh, epi- epigraph, uh, you know. And But anyway, um, we want to talk a little bit about that. Um, it does not seem unrealistic in that location where uh, there were these two sites that they explored on that documentary uh, that that might have been uh, the estate of, of Joseph, of Armamia. And uh, uh, that's my... Um, little fancy abbreviated uh, pronunciation of his name. And um, it, it seems like um, that, um, uh, you know, it's possible that that, that could be, those could be the, the, uh, the it could be the, the tomb that Jesus came out of and the stone was rolled away. Uh, but as far as the idea that he's buried in one of those uh, ossuaries, uh, I can assure you that there is no way they could ever know that and that they ever, 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 ever can know that. And I'm going to talk about that just real briefly, uh, just to prep you on this subject so that you aren't one of those people out there that uh, is into Wayne and, uh, you know, you're depressed that maybe resurrection isn't true because now they found the bones of, of Jesus and he didn't resurrect at all. And then, of course, someone says, well, the thing is, is that Jesus went up in the spirit and the bones and, and all of that doesn't, didn't, didn't make any difference. But in fact, it does make a difference. And and I want to, uh, you know, to to share that with you, um, you know, because um, he, here's here's the things that uh, are definitely uh, related to that. Um, if the bones of Jesus were found in an actuary, actuary box, uh, then that would mean that all of the flesh had deteriorated all those bones. And so then that would totally break the scripture that says that his, um, he, he would never see corruption. And, and this means that um, there, there would be uh, no rigor mortis that would set in. And it, it, would, it, would, uh, it would totally disrupt the whole case of him descending in a bodily form. Now, you know, Jesus says um, that uh, uh, that um, if anybody ref- refuses to believe that he came in the flesh, that they are antichrist. Well, in Acts, in one, Acts chapter one verse eleven, it says 
uh, the angels uh, speaking to the disciples that were uh, gazing up into the heavens. And why stand you here gazing for as you have seen uh, the Lord ascend, he will return in like manner. And we know that at that time he had been among the disciples saying, feel my body, I'm not a spirit, feel I'm flesh, feel my my the, the places where uh, I had the you know the nails put in my hands, my wrists. Feel the the you know the the place in my side where the soldier you know uh, uh, perforated the the my my side. And so he says, "That's the body that went up. That body went up." And he says, "And and when he returns, he's going to return in like manner." So. Uh, we 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 have the body for that plus we have the scripture that makes it very very clear that when we consider uh, this whole thing um, jesus you know he he ascended with a, with a flesh and blood body and that's bible and he never saw corruption he never saw rigor mortis and god did not allow that to happen to his body because there was a continu- continuance that was planned for his life in that body. And, and we must understand that. Now, um, to understand that real well, a person has to be able to distinguish some, some things. For instance, like, uh, and I've shared this with you before, but when it talks about heaven and going to heaven, uh, we, we have to look, for instance, even all the way back to chapter 1 of Genesis. And, uh, you know, and, um, and, and here's, here's what it says in chapter 1, verse 6. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were, were above the firmament, firmament and it was so and god called the firmament heaven and the evening and the morning were the second day and god said let the waters uh under the heaven be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear and it was so and god called the dry land earth so now we see by the bible that the meaning of earth which is a planet is that there's dry land and the meaning of heaven, not in every instance, but in, in, in some instances, uh, means firmament, which basically means, you know, like, like the, the atmospheres and, and the, the, the cause of environment and, and, and oxygen and, and et cetera, et cetera. So now we begin to see that when we're talking about a place of habitation, uh, and you know, it could be called. It, it has heaven involved in its name, because it, to, for it to be a livable, habitable place, it has to have the proper kind of environment and atmosphere. And so, when we say heaven, that also incorporates the 
part of what the heaven does, which is divides divides the spaces and the atmospheres and, and allows there to be a dry land uh, 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 on the planet where people can live. And they called it earth, but earth meant dry land. But it also in- included meaning that it was a planet of that had dry land and, you know, had an atmosphere, had a heaven. And that doesn't mean there are not other means of heaven. But we have to be very, very careful when, when we receive this revelation uh, that, uh, that, we, that we know what we're doing. Um, we, we have to uh, understand that, uh, uh, you know, that if we don't apply these right meanings, uh, then, you know, we're just in trouble. Because because we're we're talking about maybe the heaven of heavens when it's not talking about the heaven of heavens, or we're talking about universal heavens that could just be representing space, uh, when it's not talking about that either. When it might be talking about like it did in the first chapter of Genesis that I just read and I explained to you. Now, if we turn to John, chapter fourteen, this is so important in this teaching. Because we have to know why we need to know this thing about heaven. And chapter 14 says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I go to prepare a place for you. Now, we know this is not the heaven of heavens because everything in the heavens, heaven of heavens is absolutely perfect and never needs to be adapted, changed, or, or worked on. Uh, but this is talking about a livable, habitable planet and, uh, and, and a living place that, uh, that is called the Father's house. The term house, when you're talking in the sense of um, heavenly constellations and things like that is a uh, you know a, a term that fits into to astronomy and uh, it's not out of line for that it fits in so uh, he goes on and says and if I go and prepare a place for you I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also so his promise was I'm going to come back and I'm going to bring you into my getaway vehicle, and I'm going to take you to to that place so that you can be with me, which is called the Father's house. Now, we know to begin with, and we've read these scriptures to you many times, but they are just so important, and they've got to be that you've got to get this down to where you have them memorized. We know that in the tenth chapter of John and the sixteenth verse. The Bible says, And other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. And we've explained that to you, how that there's the Abrahamic fold, and then there's the Melchizedek fold. And, um, and, and these, these are both uh, revealed to us, uh, you know, uh, in, in the Bible. Uh, they are uh, directly and indirectly connected uh, to what is called the Bolism. And in the first chapter of St. John, the 15th verse, or pardon me, the 18th verse, uh, it talks about 
the bosom of the Father. And then we also know that in Luke 16.22, there is Abraham's bosom. So we begin to see these dualities and, and these places that are prepared uh, for where the spirits of people go and from where they are regenerated and sent out to other places. So that is the, the important thing uh, to understand. Because if we, uh, we don't understand those kind of things, then we're, we're just lost to the, to the revelation and the meaning of everything that God is speaking. And, and we just cannot uh, have that happen. Then, just to get an idea of the, of the, of the vastness, the absolute vastness of this thing with the Father's house and this other planet place. Uh, in Psalms 68, 17, Psalms 68, 17, there is just this amazing revelation, which I have shared with you before, but, you know, we have to keep sharing this until all the people have heard it and have understood it, and it has sunk in. So in Psalms 68, uh, you know, this amazing revelation that I'm going to read a little bit of, and we'll start it in the 17th verse. The chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of angels. If you look up the word angel, you will find the use of a word that is used no place else in the Bible. The, we we um, like to use the what would be the um, the enunciation or pronunciation of the word, so we call it the, the shinons, you know. But it would actually be pronounced a little different, the shinons. But but uh, but but we call these uh, the people of the father's house, uh, which are the the you know the the sons of Enoch, and which belong to the Melchizedek priesthood, and um, and uh, this is. Uh, uh, a beautiful revelation, and we see that the, it says in verse seventeen sixty eight Psalms, the chariots of God are twenty thousand, even thousands of angels are shinons. The Lord is among them, as in Sinai in the holy place. Now there's thousands, twenty thousand. The chariots of God are twenty thousand, even thousands of angels. So here we see a case in which these shinons have been sent to earth. During this particular time when Moses was involved in the, in, in the, the covenant on Mount Sinai, receiving it, and, and uh, this work that these, uh, you know, these people did. So it's absolutely sensational and fantastic uh, when you start seeing all this revelation and the importance of it. So, uh, and, and there's, there's so many other scriptures, you know. The Bible is just full of them, uh, where the Bible talks about, you know, uh, uh, people in the heavens and rejoice, you know, the, because of the uh, ye heavens and and uh, all those kind of things. Uh, uh, but let's let's move move on. Um, now we know the other thing is is that uh, Jesus said, um, "No man can take my life. I lay it down, and I will ra- I will raise it up." Uh, and, and so when people try to say that, you know, his body is down, you know, has been deteriorated and it's in an ashuary and it's bones, uh, they don't know what they're talking about. 
The other thing is, is the, uh, there is no way unless you have the DNA of a person from before that you can know by going into the into the the box. And remember, the, this box does not have any any residue of human flesh. It only has, uh, you know, the dust of bones and bones. So that makes quite a difference when you're uh, as to the kind of uh, DNA that 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 you get and the and the and the meaning of that. There's no possible way then. And and my statement, I said that they will ever ever be able by using DNA to ascertain that this was Jesus because they do not know what his DNA was like. And, and, and by trying to compare it to any of the other people and say, well, it looks like this, this person, whoever it was, is of the same family order. Um, uh, they don't even know that that could be the case because according to the Bible, uh, the 50% donor of Jesus uh, was 50% by Mary and 50% by the Holy Ghost. And so when you take the 50% by the Holy Ghost, uh, we understand that, that you know, the Holy Spirit took that back all of the way uh, to Adam so that, so that Jesus became the second Adam. And this is what was called deferred progenity, like when I quoted last week, when, when um, you know, Abraham was paying tithes to, to Melchizedek, and it, the Bible says that he carried, you know, in his genes, you know, in his genes, uh, in, in the progeny uh, of Levi, so that Levi, while in his genes, uh, but not yet born, uh, uh, was there at the time that, that Abraham was paying tithes to, to um, Melchizedek, that he was given credit because of being in his genes uh, as though he also paid uh, those tithes. And so that we call deferred progenity or deferred progeny. And, and um, as we begin to understand these incredible things, uh, it, it is something uh, absolutely outstanding. And, and we know then that when people start messing with this thing about the body and saying, you know, like uh, this, uh, Jesus never went up in his body because his bones are, are in this ossuary. Uh, we, we, we know that they're messing with something very dangerous because the Bible speaks and says, you know, if you're denying the body, and if you deny that Jesus came in the body, and then when you've got the angel that says, as he came, he's also leaving, then that applies to the same scripture, that it, it makes that kind of theology uh, to, be, to be antichrist, uh, because it, it destroys the, the prevalence of some very, very important destinies that belong to Christ are part of things to be fulfilled uh, in the Bible attached to that whole idea of him going up to the Father's house with a physical body. So those things are absolutely important, and they, they have to be appreciated. In that actuary situation, uh, you know, they did find some very interesting things. Uh, and, and I thought what was neat about it uh, and I'm certainly willing to accept that that could have been the tomb of, of the family of Jesus, is that they've all, a lot of people have been saying there's no historical proof that there ever was a family of Jesus. 
that there ever was brothers of Jesus, that there ever was a mother of Jesus. There's no historical proof. Well, <laughs> the minute you start finding physical, uh, uh, you know, Oshawas, going back to that time with writing like that, uh, to me, that's historical proof. There's a lot of other historical proof, but that's really outstanding historical proof. You know, uh, if you're not trying to make uh, one of those bodies be the the body of Jesus, uh, because we know when you start using the name Jesus, uh, there's a lot of different ways in, in the Greek and and in Arabic uh, uh, to to uh, draw out the meaning of a word. Uh, uh, you know, like. Uh, uh, Dios, uh, Dios, and, and and Yeshua, and all these words uh, have a, a very other kinds of relevance in, in attendance to the meaning of those words. Depend on the collective use of the word, as would attend uh, uh, that use by other words that that uh, would would uh, modify the meaning one way or another. And there are many things along that line. Uh, but I mean, the fact that they found uh, a, a, a whale on, on outside on you know the 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 the, the carving of a whale, uh, uh, you know, uh, puking up uh, uh, like a body, uh, and and which was you know Jonah and the whale, and Jesus has said, "No other sign will I give you than the sign of of Jonah and the whale." For as Jonah and the, as Jonah was in the belly of the whale three days and nights, so also shall the Son of Man be three days in the earth, and that was on the side of one of those actuaries in that particular tomb. I found that <clears throat> very connecting and extremely interesting. And I, I don't think that that should be just kicked out and put down because he does provide some fantastic, um, you know, uh, a historical proof of that family <clears throat> and it, it being there. Now, they, they found other things on the, those, uh, those actuaries, like uh, he is lifted up from the dead. And uh, I thought when I, you know, saw that and, and it talked about uh, raised up and, and uh, you know, all of, all of those uh, and will rise and all those kind of things, I think that, that uh, it made it very, very clear, you know, that, that in that family they were Christians and, and they were believers in the resurrection and, and they were posting on there some very interesting things. Um, I think they also were referring to 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 people that that they thought were great people and could have power even even with the spirits of the dead, and I think that that would be Jesus. And they also had something similar to that by the mention of Mary Magdalene, and and uh, so. Um, as I explained to you with this interpretation of the word first, how that she was like a apostle to apostles and disciple to the disciples, and and that uh, that she was actually a leader. And there's many many other scriptures. I don't know how much of this we can get done tonight. We may have to go to uh, you know a fourth time around, but we'll see. We'll, we'll get as much as we can. But um, uh, we begin to see that uh, that. Uh, in, in, in the revelations of some of these things that were discovered, uh, even though we know, yes, there are many of these were, uh, names, uh, Jesus, James, uh, you know, uh, Jacob, 
Joseph those common names in that time, and and a lot of people use those names, but um, <clears throat> uh, it is still very interesting the combinations and the uh, the location where uh, you know that those sites were found, and uh, I was impressed with it. Uh, but as far as uh, them trying to say, uh, which is impossible, uh, uh, like some dust, uh, you know, uh, mitochondrial dust that was found in in the the, the bottom of the actuary, and, and with the and like one of the uh, uh, architects um, of archaeology, who was there in 1980 um, and actually went in. He didn't do like uh, like these people on the. Um, uh, on this last find that they were working on, uh, uh, like like they did, where they had to go in with a camera and they were not allowed to open the lid of the actuaries. Uh, actuaries. They, they were only allowed to to take pictures, and and uh, so <laughs> there's just you know no way by that that they could st- substantiate uh, the DNA of Jesus because they didn't know the DNA. And it's possible that they could not possibly know it because it, it may not match. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that when we start talking about the brothers of, of Jesus. Now, I think that we already talked about the alabaster box, but uh, I, I guess I've just got to... Uh, Repeat it because it's important. Uh, you know, in Mark fourteen three and five, and uh, and uh, Matthew twenty five one through thirteen, um, there are scriptures there uh, that talk about um, Jesus when he's at this place visiting, and um, and it's uh, it's a there are people there that. Uh, that are sort of like uh, government people, and, and there are also people that you know are, are that know Jesus, and, and they're, they're trying to befriend him. But there's there's people there, and and um, Mary um, with her business that used a lot of these um, government and and um, and kingdom uh, people uh, did not want to be known um, as herself. Um, but uh, there's no way that this other person who came and anointed Jesus could possibly have known that this anointing that he that was being going to be done was going to be in proxy for his burial, and only Mary Magdalene could have known that, and and uh, so uh, it makes it very clear that this lady who had a lot of problems. Uh, she was a sinner, had a lot of problems, was not Mary Magdalene, but she was someone that Mary Magdalene knew of all these different ladies that she was ministering to, and there was a large number of these ladies that were following and under her ministry, and she obviously had this lady uh, go and do this anointing of Jesus and and put this alabaster box, <laughs> um, um, you know, um, a, a treatment uh, anointing upon upon him, and uh, and you know I I think I mentioned last week how that uh, that uh, the the uh, spikenard was used, and um, that alabaster box was worth about three hundred pence, 
which even in today's life is around $20,000. And in that time, um, that was a year's labor. So the average lady could not possibly afford to have paid for that. But Mary was very well off. Very, She had she had money. She had the business, as we've explained to you in um, uh, our first teaching. And uh, so... Uh, those things are really important, and, and that, that explains, you know, that it really, Jesus knew that it was Mary Magdalene that was having this done to him, and that understood why it should be done. It was being done for his burial, and and that that he was using, uh, you know, this proxy uh, to be done. So uh, it, it's it's just you know all very interesting. Now, uh, there's a lot of things. You know, about who is to marry, who is not to marry. We know uh, that rabbis, that they were expected to marry, to have a wife. And we know in the Bible that bishops um, were expected uh, to have a wife. And, um, you know, um, we'll we'll read the scriptures on that eventually if we get to it. Uh, Paul, 1 Corinthians 9, 5 First Corinthians nine five says God has given him the power to marry if he wanted to, but you know Paul knew by prophecy that was given over him at the beginning of his ministry that he was going to have imprisonment and and all of those things. So you know he didn't want to marry a woman and and have her fretting over his imprisonment, which ended up for years and years and years, and finally he was he he was martyred. Uh, <clears throat> Okay, but we do know the other thing that was said about this person that was going to do this um, uh, this um, anointing with with, with the uh, alabaster box that there would be a memorial made into that person, and it was really referring to Mary Magdalene, and that this um, uh, memorial would would be something that would be kept and and known and broadcast around the whole whole world, the whole earth. And, um, you know, that has not happened. We've been in the vanishing point. Uh, we've been, uh, you know, had Mary in the closet. And a lot of these things that are scriptural and, and biblical have not been acknowledged, have not been done uh, because of, of this cruel mentality um, that Satan has allowed to, to uh, cause men to have about women. Uh, as far as being able to practice any kind of leadership in the church or, or even in business, uh, in some of the uh, uh, Asian countries, uh, the, they do not want the ladies to even go to school. They don't want them to have an education. And I was reading here recently uh, in one of the Muslim uh, countries where there was um, uh, 65 women who had been uh, sprayed uh, with acids in their face. And this one particular uh, lady who, who actually was quite a beautiful lady, when she was sleeping, uh, her husband, because he had had a disagreement with her, came in at night while she, she was sleeping and sprayed uh, a terrible acid all over her face. He took her cell phone so she could not call to get help. No doubt probably couldn't even see with that acid. And, and uh, so now she's just in a state sort of mummified. She just basically wants to die. And, and, um, and you know, 
they're, they're, in those uh, nations like that, they, they're, most of them, those men don't get arrested. They don't get tried. Uh, it's just understood as, you know, a classic part of, um, of, of, uh, their, uh, method of, of, of treating society, uh, to approve for, uh, a man's control in a family. And if he says, my wife wasn't obeying me and that's why I did this, uh, that, that fellow seems to be able to get by with it. And, uh, uh, I'm gonna tell you that, that this is gonna stop. This is gonna stop. God's not gonna allow that to continue. And, and there's gonna be a liberty. Uh, of 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 the women, because that's God's plan for there to be a, a, a you know a, a liberty. That is that is God's plan. So we want to praise God and thank God uh, for for all these things that are so so very important. Now uh, I've just got to keep moving here because there's so much to to cover. Um, uh, you know, uh, when we, I, I was talking about Mary Magdalene being the wife of, uh, of Jesus. And I'm going to give you so much scripture. Uh, if I don't get it all said today, we'll continue next week. But um, uh, there's some, some questions that you should consider. Uh, and, and a lot of this has to do with, with ideas that have been put uh, and brainwashed into people's minds through the church uh, to where they do not understand this thing about uh about the virgin birth uh the 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 catholics uh they've got this thing that um that you know mary had to stay a virgin if she had the son of god gave birth to the son of god then uh she has to stay a virgin never 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 have a relationship with with her husband never have any other children uh and uh they believe that these um uh, so-called brothers were actually just cousins, and they try to uh, translate that from a Greek term, but they're absolutely 100% wrong, because that Greek term does not apply in this case, uh, you know, to the brothers, and um, and so it's very very sad, you know, what's happened there in the Catholic Church, and I'm not knocking the Catholic Church or the Catholic people, because there's equal wrongs in the Protestant groups, uh, but but um, you know, uh, they're definitely off the shelf there. Sad because they did, you know, do the important thing of recognizing Mary, which was something that the Bible should be done, and she was also to have a memorial that was was a continuous thing. But but then they put this thing about you know these limitations, and and that of course is 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 very sad. But let's let's just think about this. Uh, I can suppose that maybe one of the questions that uh, you know the Catholics uh, might have asked and said is how could the Son of God? How could the Son of God have have a uh, a brother? They just didn't think that would be possible the Son of God can have a brother. Well, in Matthew 13 and, uh, and uh, you know, verse 54, uh, it says, And when he was coming to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue, insomuch that they were astonished, and said, Whence has this man the wisdom and these mighty works? And, uh, and is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brother uh, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas and his sisters? Are they not all with us? 
Winston has this man, these things. Man, that is quite a family. That's quite a family. And 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 they're called brothers. There's, there's James. There's Joes. There's there's Simon. There's Judas, and and then there's sisters. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, in addition to in addition to Jesus, and these are all offspring. Now, some people try to say, well, you know, some of these were children that that um, that Joseph had. Uh, his wife died, and, and these were children that he had by another a, a wife. Uh, uh, you know, or something of that nature. But, you know, that is just not what proves out to be substantiated by the Bible. The Bible does not substantiate that at all. And and, and so, you know, when we look in scriptures like Matthew thirteen fifty four through 56 and Mark 6, 3, it became, becomes very clear that Jesus had brothers and sisters and, 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 and didn't think, that there was anything wrong with that. Now, some people will say, well, I just don't believe that it would be right for Jesus Christ to, you know, be having an, an intimate relationship with a woman. I just don't believe that would be right. Is that right? Now, what makes you so scholarly all of a sudden? So what do you think in terms about when the Holy Ghost came upon her and, and, and caused her to have children? Do you think that it's any different that the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost, did this, did this, and that in case of Jesus having a wife, that that uh, uh, he could be functioning like the Holy Ghost? Come on, people need to get off their their flukes and and uh, and some of their dumb ideas. They're just uh, absolutely outlandish. And don't make any sense at all. Um, you know, Joseph, the Bible says, had no marital relationship with Mary until she, until after she had birthed Jesus. And that's in Matthew chapter 1, verse 24 through 25. Matthew 1, verse 24 through 25. Now, another interesting thing that happened is Joseph and Mary, at some time later, they went to the temple to be purified. That's in Luke 2.22. Now, usually when a family has a child, and then at a certain time they go to be purified, it goes back to the law of Moses, and it has to do uh, with purifying themselves from the intimate act of having children. So someone says, well, then... That proves that Mary didn't give birth as a virgin, that Joseph was actually the father of Jesus. No, it doesn't prove that at all. It just proves that Joseph and Mary were really smart and that they knew that the priests would be looking to see uh, if they were going to be purified because of the fact that uh, they had heard this claim about uh, being a virgin. So they were smart enough to go and play it out because, you know, they were very difficult times to survive. And and uh, and uh, so they had no problem playing it out. And and a little bit of, of an act of purification doesn't hurt anybody. And, and so that's just, uh, you know, how that went. And it isn't anything complicated. Uh, it's just... Uh, it's just important. 
I guess that people just need to understand something. And, and here's your chance to understand something. If, 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 you know, Jesus would constantly say, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Well, I want, if you've got an ear, I want you to hear this. Hebrews 5, verse 5 through 11. Hebrews 5, verse 5. And so Christ, C-H-R-I-S-T, Christ, glorified himself not to be made a high priest, but he had said unto him, Thou art my son, today I have begotten thee. As he saith in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Wow. He wasn't a Levitical priest. He was a Melchizedek priest. But now who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplication with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him. Now what do you think that Jesus was going through? He had taken on the the body style of Abraham. And we'll get to those scriptures after a while. And Abraham, if you know anything about his history, he had all kinds of concubines and, and several different wives, and he was quite liberated in this thing about having women, and it didn't seem to bother his religiosity in any way. Because he went out looking for a city not made with hands, made by God. And and that whole idea of, of concubines and other wives, all that... That that didn't deliberate against him and his thinking for being able to be holy enough to, to do that kind of a calling. And Jesus was made after the genetics of the Abrahamic seed line. And he said, verse 7, chapter 5, Hebrews, who in the days of his flesh... Now, now we know it's talking about Jesus because in verse 5... So also Christ, which means Jesus Christ. So we got the, we got the subject, we got the noun. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him, unto the Father, that was able to save him from death and was heard that he feared, though he were a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. He suffered things. He went through things. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation. There was a time that Jesus was not the author of eternal salvation. We have a verb here that says he became the author of eternal salvation. And this didn't happen till he went through all of those tears and those prayers and those sufferings and those challenges and those temptations. And, and, and he had to learn obedience by the things which he suffered. And, and those things shaped him, formed him into this perfection so that he could become the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him called of God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. And get a hold of this next one. Of whom 
We have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. There's many, many things to be told about all this. But people are in a set and a mindset. And they, they just can't receive these things because they are so imposed in their thinking about what is sacred and what is not sacred, about the difference of men and women, and all these different things that they have brought into their religion that they can't actually be dealt with or talked to because they won't receive it. But there's many, many things that need to be said. And when I read to you last week, the week before I was, where it says, the spirit and the bride say, come. This is the time that the bride is speaking. This is the time of dissolving, you know, this glass darkly. This, this is a time of coming into a, a super manifest realization of insight that's beyond the beyond. Blessed be the name of God. And what are you going to have to do to, to achieve this? Chapter 6, verse 1. Therefore, leaving the principles, the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works or of faith toward God or the doctrine of baptisms and of the laying on of hands and of the resurrection of the dead and the eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. So we see we, God is leading people into a higher calling. Some of these things that are just absolutely principles, it seems like you couldn't even set them aside for a second. God said, yes, you do. You, you, if you're going to move on, you know, like this laying on of hands, God's moving us now into spirit to spirit instead of the instead of laying on of hands of flesh to to bodies of flesh. God's moving uh, in this revelation spirit to spirit. There are many things that God is wanting to reveal, but it, but it's, it's strong meat. And in verse fourteen of chapter five of of Hebrews, it says, "But strong meat belongs to them that are f- full of age." Doesn't mean age and being old, but but developed in spiritual things. Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Wow. Now, let me give you a for instance. In the book of Psalms 45, turn over there real fast, there is, is a really, really beautiful expressive thing and ab- about a queen and and there's a deep message here and, and it's, 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 a, it's, it's a, a, a prophesied word and, and it's not just something to be lightly tossed out so Psalms 45 verse 2 thou art fairer than the children of men there's someone is talking about here who's obviously from some other place. Because humankind, mankind, do not look like this person. This person is fairer, has a different look. They're what has been revealed to us as the beautiful people. 
the beautiful people. Wow. Verse 7. Thou lovest righteousness and hateth wickedness. Therefore God thy God hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. All thy garments smell of smell of God is our refuge and strength. Myrrh, aloes, cassia, out of the ivory palaces whereby they have made thee glad. Kings, daughters, were among thy honorable women. Upon thy right hand did stand the queen in gold of Ophir. The queen in gold of Ophir. Hearken, O daughter, and consider, and incline thine ear. Forget also thine own people and thy father's house. So shall the king greatly desire thy beauty, for he is thy lord, and and worship thou him. Some said, "Well, this is talking about uh, talking about uh, Solomon or David." No, it's not. The Bible isn't telling these women to worship David or worship uh, uh, Saul. It's talking about worshiping the Lord, and and it says the Lord. Praise be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay. So, and there's there's more there in in this, but 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 it's you know it's it's all beautiful. It's something you can go back and you can read. Now, when we look in Revelations one six, we get quite a revelation. And um, this this revelation not everybody has understood. But God is making people to be able to understand this. Revelations 1.6 And hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Wow. Let's read verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth, and to him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests unto God the Father. Where's the queen? Where's the queen? Where's the queen that it talks about in chapter 12 of Revelations? And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, and the moon was under her feet, and upon her head a crown of twelve stars. She's a queen. Why doesn't it mention the queen? Well, it does. But it's in code. But we're going to translate that code today. So, what is it saying here? Well, it says that we have been called to be kings and, and, and priests. Now, we have to understand what that means. A priest is a representative of the church. He functions as the place of Christ over the church. But it represents the church. And the church is always represented by the woman. So, when it's talking about kings and priests, it's talking about Men becoming kings and women becoming queens. So I've had a ministry for some time, which I haven't had a chance to do a lot of it on the internet yet, but I will. 
called the kings and the queens because that's the duality of it. That's the balance of it. That's what God wants it to be. But that's been cut out of the church by all these false doctrines that have destroyed the power. Now, Jesus didn't go for that. He had lots of women following him. There's one instance, I'm sure we'll read it later, where he is preaching to you know these different the, the disciples and the different ones, and the names about five or more ladies, and then it says, and there were many, many m a n y other women that were there and were following him. So he had more women than he had disciples that were men that were following him wherever he went. Ministry, and they supported his ministry. It was these women that had the financial aspect that kept the ministry going. He understood that. And what people have not understood is the question that Jesus asked one time when he was ministering in this house and his, his mother and brothers came, came and wanted to talk with him. Well, at this particular time, it was um, really quite sad. Um, they were even saying things that uh, they thought maybe he wasn't just like mentally well. And, and so there's been people come up, use that, and uh, come up with some you know, crazy things about uh, Jesus being uh, insane. Uh, because of because of you know scriptures like that, uh, and and it's so important uh, to see you know so, some of these revelations and understand them. Um, you know, uh, it's just so important, and I'm, I'm just hoping you people really get into this and you know really really uh, dig into it. Okay, so. He then said, who is my mother and my father and my, my brothers? He says, who, who, who are they? And in the 49th verse of the 12th chapter of Matthew, he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples. And he said, who is my mother? and my brethren. And that's quite a revelation. And we have to understand that in, this, in the sense of the, you know, Son of Man and Son of God, the duality. Because there's applications that apply some things to physical and some things to spiritual. And we have to know which ones apply. But, but, but that is so incredibly important. All these things are very, very important. Wow. So the Bible tells us that Jesus was born by the Holy Ghost. And we saw an experience like that, not the same, but in a similar way, happening with John the Baptist. And so it's, it's worth looking at Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through 20. 
Praise God. In Hebrews 10.5, there's a scripture that says, A body have you prepared me. This was not on a, a regular birth. This was something very, very special that happened. And and the fact that that Mary became impregnated, she became impregnated by this jump of the genes over this long distance of time went all the way back to Adam. And this happened through the Holy Ghost. So when when Jesus said about himself and his name, he didn't say uh, son of woman because he was born of virgin and didn't have a father. But he said son of man. Son of man. He was the son of man and the son of a woman. Praise the name of God. Wow. And the fact that he was also the son of a, of a woman is verified in Galatians 4.4, 4, God's son made of a woman. So there's a whole fulfillment of both him being the son of a man and son of a woman. What an absolutely beautiful thing that the Bible is. It's just absolutely wonderful and holy. Blessed be the name of God. Now there's this duality that we have to understand. Son of man, son of God. And Jesus explained this in Matthew sixteen nineteen, And Matthew 18, 18 through 19. Matthew sixteen nineteen, And Matthew 18, 18 through 19. And he said, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in, he in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. There's this duality. This physical thing that happens on earth that affects something spiritual in heaven. There's a connectedness. In John 3, 11 through 12, John 3, 11 through 12, he said, I have told you earthly things. And you believe not. How shall you believe if I tell you heavenly things? And no man has ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. Now in this duality, we begin to see where Jesus says, here's something that's incredible. I haven't been able to tell you things like this because you just can't receive it. Down here on earth. But I'm not just here on earth. I'm also in heaven. This is that duality. And that is so important to understand. Psalms 50. Psalms 54 through 5 talks about to call the heavens above and to call the earth below. Duality. Revelations 12, 12. Rejoice you heavens and ye that dwell in them. And there's a connectedness to earth and to heaven in that full verse. Wow. First Thessalonians 4.16 it talks about Jesus coming with the sound of a trumpet 
Jesus himself, Son of Man. And coming as an archangel, Son of God. Duality. For the Lord himself, the Lord himself comes with the voice of an archangel. Wow. You know, there's a story that is so interestingly descriptive of this whole thing about Artura, which we call the Father's House. And and it is um it's in the book of Hebrew. And I, I do enjoy the book of Hebrews. It's has so much power in it, so much depth. Let me read some of it. Hebrews eleven, eight through sixteen. By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out to a place when he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed and he went out not knowing whether he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise as a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city whose foundation, uh, which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Wow. And then it goes on. And, and it talks about this city. And it talks about Verse 13, the, those that, ha, that had sprung up and were many people as stars of heaven, how that some of them died in faith, not having received the promises, and were persuaded of them, this is verse 13, chapter 11, Hebrews, persuaded of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. They knew like that other scripture I read to you, there was something about them different than humans. Although they had taken on human bodies that were natural to this earth, it could not be told by looking at them, but by understanding from the deep inside of those people, there could be a story told there. For they that say such things plainly, now get a hold of this, get a hold of it plainly, they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of, the, of that country, from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. Wow. Wow. Son of God. Son of man. Just like the cherubim. The mercy seat. Wings spread out to touch one side of the wall. Wings spread out to touch another side of the opposite wall. Duality. Duality is so very, very important there. So very important. We see that in the genealogy that is given in Luke 3.38. As it goes down through the long list going all the way back to Adam, that it finally says, when it says Adam, and Adam, the son of God. Luke three thirty-eight. We no, We must not lose that. You must not lose that. You must remember, Adam, the son of God. Wow. 
Revelations 21.7. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. And I will be his God and he shall be my son. Son of God. John 19.26. Woman, behold thy son. This is at the cross. Woman, behold thy son. Disciple, behold thy mother. Son of man. The duality. One is the spiritual, the other is the physical. Jesus said to his mother, Behold thy son. This disciple who wrote this is always careful to not give his name John and call himself son. He always said instead, you know, the disciple that Jesus loved. But we have an exchange here that is equal to the word son. Because if you behold thy son, who is it that's the son? It is the disciple. We know it's not the son of that woman who was Mary. And who had the authority to be able to say this? Well, the father. And so the father did say that. And he called him by his, his office of disciple. Behold thy mother. The Bible says from that time on, John took Mary into his house. Wow. These things are so important. They're so valuable. They're so absolutely, absolutely important. Some long time ago, back in my teachings, I was talking about the, you know, Lucifer being the son of uh, Gabriel. Well, when we start talking about this duality, it opens up revelation. You know, I just didn't have time to share it with you back then. But in Isaiah fourteen twelve, it calls Lucifer the son of the morning. So he is a son, and he's a son of something called the morning. Now, in the, he, the Strong's Hebrew Dictionary Concordance, Shakar, morning, found in the dictionary reference 7837, which is connected and actually from the root of the Hebrew Dictionary 78.36 means dawn. But if you take that even further back into the, the connected word meanings and roots, it'll take you back to 78.42. Sakar Rahim. Our Shakar Ahim. And whenever you have an A-H, that means Lord. So, 742 is also connected to 7837. And what it means is double, D-O-U-B-L-E, double dawn, double morning, double creation morning. And it is connected to a word, Mahanaim, M-A-H-A-N-A-I-M, Mahanaim, which means two camps, two hosts, two lords, 
Yaviel, Gabriel, Yaviel of the Ophanims, Gabriel of the Cherubim, son of the morning, modifies it from being the plurality of a collective to the singularity of a personification. And when we get this Mahanaim found in the, in the concordance of 4266, meaning double camp, connected with 4264, meaning army, band, camp, company, angels, stars, host, sacred courts. And these terms found in Genesis 32.2, and Joshua 13.26, Jacob makes this incredible discovery of this revelation in Genesis 32.2, and in Joshua 13.26, we see that it became the name of, of towns and different, different uh, places of, of, uh, of residence. So this connection then connects these two universes, the first universe, the second universe, the first universe of the Ophanims, second universe of the Cherubims, and, and these two groups in, in future universes work together as a duality. And so they, they shared this concept of the morning stars, and because we know by reading in uh, Isaiah 14, that Lucifer was a, um, was a cherub. We can connect that with the 28th chapter of Ezekiel. Then we, we know that the cherubim were under Gabriel. And, of course, then we have to take that back. Before Gabriel was an archangel and, and, and the kind of angel that he became, and the cherubims became the cherubims, to Gabriel and, and Lucifer to get the father and son thing. And so there is scripture, and there's even more that can go along with that. But don't ever think in your mind when I toss these things out at you that it, that it means that, um, you know, that, that these things don't exist. Um, I had someone say to me, Oh, uh, you you mentioned this thing about, um, you know, um, John's brother, James. And uh, you mentioned that um, he lived with, um, with his brother, John. And, and John lived to be 100 years old. And during that time that James was with him. And I said, yeah, yeah, I know what you're getting at. I'm totally aware of it. And what you're uh, getting at is that um, that according to the, I think it's the 12th chapter of Acts, that uh, uh, Herod Agrippa had James the, uh, the Great, which was the brother of John, killed with the sword. And that happened in, about um, in the, in the uh, 60 AD, which was at least 10 years before the Roman army came to destroy the um, destroy dis destroy the, uh, Jerusalem, and uh, 
yeah, I I understand that whole thing. I totally un- understand where you're coming from. But I knew exactly what I said when I said it. And uh, I'm not taking it back. In fact, if I can just find it real fast, I'll share it with you. And uh, it's, it's extremely, very, very interesting. And it's something that you do need to know because uh, you'll begin to see how that when some of these statements are are uh, said, uh, don't, uh, you know, don't don't make too fast of a jump. Okay, so uh, in Acts twelve verses one and three, uh, it says that James the Great, brother of John, was killed by a sword. But now let me show you the revelation of that, which is so absolutely incredible, absolutely incredible. Turn to the book of Revelation. Uh, 19.10. Revelations 19.10. So in Revelations 19.10, it says, and this is John speaking, after he's received this incredible revelation uh, about the marriage supper of the Lamb, and he says, I go at his feet to worship him, and he said unto me, See that thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant of thy brethren. I'm your brother. <laughs> Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. He was a dignitary. Let's look at um, Revelations uh, 22.8. It's got it repeated this twice on two different occasions. And I, John, saw these things, and he's, he's just given this, this, as a dignitary, James has taken this angelic guardianship form, and he's revealing all these things to his brother John. And, um, and showing him the things that are to come to pass. And I, John, saw these things and heard them, and when I had heard them, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. Then saith he to me, See that thou do it not, for I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren, the prophets, and of them that keep the saying of this book. So there's why I said that James came back and made it all the way across. You know, there's another interesting story. And one of the questions that have come up about me, the Christians, is why, why, what happened? How, do, how come there weren't Christians when the Romans invaded in 70 AD? How come the Christians didn't seem to be there? Well, there's at least three well-known historians of the times that say that an angel appeared to the Christians four years, four years before the destruction of Jerusalem by by the people of uh, of the, by the Romans, and warned them. To flee that this destruction was coming. And so the 
the Christians began to move out and they moved to this city called Pella, which was about 50 miles away. So none of them were there to speak of when this tremendous army came and destroyed the city and, and, and took for uh, slaves most of the people. Blessed be the name of God. That's why, ladies and gentlemen, as a Christian, you don't need to just be worrying day and night about things. You know? The Bible says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green places. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He, he's your God. He, he's your shepherd. He's, he's going to lead you. He's going to show you when to make a move. You don't have to go around with a, with a nervous breakdown mentality. God does not want that to happen. Blessed be the name of God. Now that is an incredible revelation. And I'll tell you what. It's well worth. Now there's something else that's very interesting. If you turn to the book of John 18, 15 through 16, John 18, 16 through 16, you'll see something very strange. When Jesus was taken prisoner and he went into the, uh, to the, to the judgment hall where Pilate was, well, I, that's not right. When he went to, the, to this place where the high priest was, He was totally accepted to go in there. Now, now let me just read that. And, and some of you people may not know this, and you may be shocked, uh, uh, you know, and, but there's a story there too. But I'm going to read um, uh, the 18th, um, the 18th uh, uh, chapter of the Gospel of John. And, and, and here, here's what it says. It says... And this this is so so very very neat, eighteen and and fifteen, and Simon Peter, and Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. That disciple was known as high priest, and went in with Jesus into the palace of the high priest, but Peter stood at the door without. Then went out that other disciple, which was John, of course, which was known to the high priest, and spake unto her that kept the door, and he brought Peter in. Now John did not have any problem getting in where the high priest was, but Simon Peter did. Because the priest knew John. Of course, John was involved with John the Baptist. But his father, his father was a very wealthy fisherman and very well known and a person who was in tune with the with the Sanhedrin and the priests and and with the things of the of the temple. And that priest knew that this was John. And and John had no problem not only being able to go in there and listen to this whole argument that they were bringing against Jesus Christ, which was a, just a selective few that they were allowed to go in there. 
And they only allowed Peter go, to go in based on his reference from, from John, but then he wasn't there very long when some of the people didn't recognize him as the person who cut off the ear of one of the priests. And that, he had to get out of there fast. And he had to deny Jesus three times in order to save himself from some terrible fate at that time. He made it up later. But I'll tell you what, there's things that people do not notice. How that, how that things work out. How that John's wise enough to be able to use the, these connections. Instead of going in there and saying, I hate what you've done, I hate this. He went in, he was listening, he was learning to see what he could do to be able to be used, if, if there was any way to be used to help Jesus. And he was able to go to the cross and stand in front of it with the centurions there. Because he was one of the disciples that did. But he had connections that the other disciples did not have. A lot of times people just don't realize everything that's going on. And they, they, they miss some incredible revelation. Just like this thing when in John 2017, when Jesus said to Mary Magdalene, touch me not. And she thought at first he was a gardener, but when he turned and he said, you know, Mary, she knew immediately it was, it was, it was, it was Jesus. Because she was wanting to get the blood of Jesus take it away for, uh, and out of there before someone, you know, did, did uh, some uh, anti-sacred act against it. And Jesus said, touch me not. And yet, just in a little bit of time, maybe an hour or two, you see, I think this is in the book of Mark, where, where on her way to, to, to get to Peter and John, uh, Jesus appears and, and Mary Magdalene and some of the other women that had then showed up and went with her were just at the feet of Jesus touching him and worshiping him. Well, we explained once that this first part of this was that Jesus was in a spirit form. He was in a photo transition and hadn't photo translated into the physical body yet. But there was another message there that I didn't share last time that's very interesting. And that other me message that I didn't share was that Jesus said, Look, I'm not to the Father's house yet. I haven't ascended. You can't, can't touch me like a wife. Because that that belongs to the to the Father's house realm where we're at. The spirit of of your touching me cannot be as a wife. It has to continue to be just in worship. And and, and that's the meaning of a bad situation. And those things are so very important to know and to understand. And we, we read to you how that the Bible says that uh, Jesus has a wife. Revelations 19, 7 through 9. And when we understand that from the, from the, uh, from the standpoint that yes, there's a spiritual, spiritual bride, which is, which is the church, 
uh, under the, the the duality, the Son of God, but under the Son of Man, there's also a wife. Wow. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. The Spirit and the Bride, and I told you, yes, and there's a son, an Arturian son. You know, let me read you a scripture that will just blow you away. Let me read you a scripture. I've had people say, yeah, but there's nothing like that in the Bible. Yes, there is. I haven't begun to get it out yet. There's lots. Get a hold of this scripture. Proverbs 34. Who have descended up into heaven? And who has descended? We know that in the, both the Old Testament and in Psalms, and I've read it to you, where it mentions Christ ascending and descending, that this scripture refers to him. Who has gathered the wind in his fists? Who has bound the waters in his garment? Now, what does it mean, the waters in his garment? Well, I was talking about the bloody vestures described in the book of Revelations. And I did a teaching on that where I showed that in that bloody vesture that Jesus shows himself on the on the white horse riding with, that 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 that, that had the blood of the saints that he was he was bearing on that on that vesture, uh, you know, to 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 move them from out of of the the uh, suspended spirit state in, in into a uh, a different place. And that's what it's talking about in those waters in his garment. Now get a hold of this. Hang a hold. Who has established all the ends of the earth? You should know who that is. There's lots of scripture for that. But now here's the big one. What is his name? What is the name of this person who's ascendant and descendant? Who's got this, this vesture of water or blood in his garment? Who 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 can who can even grasp this incredible revelation? Who has established all the ends of of the earth? Who can even begin to understand this? But that's not the end of what he said. He says what is his name? And now get a hold of this. And what is his son's name? If you if you can discern. If you can discern, the Bible is asking you, what is the Son's name of this Christ? What is the Son's name of Christ? Proverbs 30 and 4. And you know what that sounds like? What that whole kind of language sounds like? That was given by a prophet. That was a prophet that gave that. That wasn't Solomon. It was in the book of Proverbs, but it was a prophet. But do you know what that sounds like? Let me read it to you. Because right away you're going to recognize it. You know, right away. Now listen, listen to this as I read it to you. Gird up your loins like a man. I will demand him to answer. Where was thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if you have understanding. Who laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest? Where were you when I when 
I laid the cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. The same kind of Holy Spirit revelation. What is his name? And what is his son's name? If you can discern. What's happening out there in the, in the religious world? Is the Bible says that people are taking of the Lord's Supper unworthily. And because of this, many people are sick and even die. Because they are not discerning the Lord's body. They are not discerning the revelation. What is his name? And what is his son's name? If you can discern. God is talking to the people out here to this broadcast today. He said, you need to listen to this manifest realization teaching. Some people say, well, you know, there's this Leonard Denar, Denar, you know, Da Vinci, and he was a famous artist, and he did the Lord's Supper, and it really looks like to me that this figure that he put in there leaning on the breast of, of, of Jesus might have been a woman. Hey, let me tell you something. Forget this guy. Forget it. Don't let him be the revelator. He's not John the revelator. He's just an artist. And he's got all kinds of historical negative things that are said about him. Some of you people may not know. And I'm not here to condemn him. But it doesn't matter. It, what did he paint it? It doesn't matter if he painted Jesus and, and showed him to, to be, to be Harold Agrippa. He doesn't have the prophecy and the revelation of God. And if you're going out there and you're reading a book or you're listening to somebody else that says, oh, listen to this thing here I found with, with these paintings, with this painting of the Lord's Supper done by this great Leonardo da Vinci. Forget what this Leonardo da Vinci done. He doesn't have the prophetic and the, the revelation I'm paying no attention to what he did. I know by the Bible who that was that was leaning there. It was John. It was John. The disciple that Jesus loved, which was also his son, as I told you last week. Wow. Wow. Now, sadly, I'm not going to be able to... Uh, finish this teaching and there's so much more scripture so much more that I want to get into I want to go back over a lot of things but there's just not time I prayed earlier this morning because I felt a great burden for people that are sick and I thought that I was supposed to have a prayer here for people that are fighting immune disorders in their body, for people that are having tremendous problems with within their own body, things like the hormones just being out of balance 
and the receptors just not connecting to the message. Hypothalamus to the pituitary, pituitary hypothalamus to thyroid, to the lymphatic gland. Begin to send messages through the corpus callosum, through the hemispheres, into the neural network, across the synaphases, across the boutons. Begin to loosen the energy to flow into the, the ears and into the bodies of the people here this day right now. So the healing power of Jesus Christ through this gift will loosen them and set them free. In Jesus' name. God bless you. Hang in there, people. you got to hear the rest of this. Lord willing, next week we might be able to finish it. Hang in there. We love you. God bless you. Good night.